Welcome to Dragon Talk. Hey! Very excited for this, the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, to begin. Me too. (laughs) You were about to talk, so I was like, "I'll give you." I I, uh, thank you. I appreciate that, and I I didn't. It was you threw me because you haven't said that before, and I didn't know how to respond to it. And right, I know, right? Like a good dungeon master, I was trying to throw something new at you, and and I rolled a one. Roll the one on performance. Hey. Well, Shelly Mazzanoble, you do good stuff most of the time. So rolling a one on performance. That's good. That just means you're going to do it again better next time. That's where some of the best stories are told. That's that foreshadowing. And singing, too. I like that you were kind of sang that a little bit. Mm-hmm. You were like talk singing. Yeah. Well, I'm Greg Tito. Hi, Greg. Out there. And we are excited about our book coming out very soon. Welcome to Dragon Talk. Maybe the title just comes from us talking at the top of these things. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, maybe. Maybe it's a whole book about uh, a podcast. About, about a, a game. game. A book about a podcast about a game. There's so many layers to the inception of Dragon Talk. Oh, my goodness. It is less than um, a month out from release. That's right. It is happening, people, and it is in the wild. We have actually seen people who pre-ordered it from the University of Iowa have gotten their copies. This is so cool. I know. I saw Lauren Urban. I got hers very recently uh, to this recording, which was super cool because I don't know if she uh, she knew that we had an essay in her uh, in there about her. Maybe we may have forgotten to mention that to some people. I, now maybe. I'm wondering if uh, we should have told people. Heads up. You're going to get uh, a mention, some of you he- out there. Yeah, he- he- you just up. have to get the book to find out. There's quite a few of you who do get mentioned in only the most positive of ways. This is true. This is true. So look for it. Again, you can pre-order it from the University of Iowa Press or go into your local bookstore and tell them, hey, I want this book. And it should be on the shelf because it is a great guide to getting into Dungeons & Dragons, the community the game, everything you can get out of it. There's great stories to be told and uh, experienced from reading this book and or listening to this book. Exactly. Yes, you can listen to this book as well. If you listen to this podcast and you think it'll just be too weird to just read about this podcast, you can listen to Greg and I. We will read the book to you. Exactly. And even in some of our, uh, in your voice and you speaking in my voice. I do have, I read a few of your footnotes indeed. Hey, that's that my feel? look. It, uh, it was weird. <laughs> it is weird, right? It was really weird. And I tried to like channel you. Mm, how would Greg say this line? So you let me know if you think I, you know, I've got captured your essence. I got some notes on your footnotes. <laughs> <laughs> footnotes are fun. But we've got an awesome episode coming your way today. On top of all that is a wonderful Meet Your Monsters segment. And then a interview with none other than Goblin Katie. Yes, Katie Downey. Katie Downey. Uh, but I do know her as Goblin Katie. So That's true. I probably see most all of the you socials. Do. Yeah. yeah. Exciting stuff there. Um, but before we get to talk to her about all of the amazing things that she is doing... Let's meet a little monster, shall we? Yes, please. And by that, I mean the monster Mackenzie Darmus and us are going to talk about. Ha 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 ha. 
Let's welcome Mackenzie DeArmas to another segment of Meet Your Monsters. Hi, Mackenzie. Yay! Hello, yes. Mackenzie's monsters. Woo! <laughs> um, yeah, I'm so excited to be here. It's going to be great. It is because we are talking about Death Dragons, a wonderful, <laughs> yeah, asterisk so on that great. wonderful, uh, amazing <laughs> dragon type that we are uh, showcasing in Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen. We've had a lot of different dragons out there from yep. uh, uh, bands to all of the amazing stuff that we have had through the many decades of Dungeons & Dragons. What can you tell us about death dragons? So death dragons are kinds of dragons that are intrinsically linked to the history of Kryn. What makes them death dragons is that they are these undead creatures that burn with the violet purple-hued fire of the cataclysm uh, back when the gods sent down a whole mountain and decimated the world for uh, essentially, as far as I can tell, heresy and probably wanting to become a god, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, generally, theocracy, generally bad. Um, that is the and thing that cataclysms are that's, there That's the thing cataclysms do. Yeah. Um, and that resulted in the whole disappearance of the gods from the world. Um, but what remained of the cataclysm, that rage, vengeful-filled fire from above, has uh, consumed these uh, corpses of dragons and has rendered them these monstrous, uh, but also awe-inspiring uh, mm. drag uh, draconic creatures that are these skeletons uh, with these tattered black wings and they burn with that very signature purple fire as they soar across the skies of Kryn. Oof. Yeah, and the, their wings are uh, almost falling apart. Yeah, um, I love that kind of kind of yeah. like the Draco Lich kind of motif. But for some reason, these are scarier to me because they have that that purple flame consuming. Uh, them. Uh, yes, and the fact that they're undead and they have death oh, in their name—I yeah. mean, that's kind of scary too. Yeah, right. I I, I have often described these uh, these dragons as metal as heck. <laughs> <laughs> They're just no 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 yeah. No, no, no. That's pretty much. It's like I, I anytime I see them and in the art that is throughout the book, it's just like I can just hear like the guitar rocking in the background. They are so epic looking, and I just love them, and I can't wait to use them in games. Totally, yeah. They do look like an old school metal album cover uh, in the in the background. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they also hold on to their memories too, right? So they're not yes. just mindless zombie undead dragons. So there are two types of uh, death dragons, kind of similar in the way that most dragons uh, get divided into four categories. You have your wormling, your young, your adult, and then your ancient. Uh, death dragons are divided into two. You have your lesser death dragon and then your greater death dragon. Uh, your greater death dragon being the one who has like legendary actions and such. Lesser death dragons are ones that are so consumed by their need for vengeance and hatred and, and rage that they lose any semblance of personality they might they might have had. They um they have no recollection or very little recollection of what their life might have been before they became undead and were consumed by burning cataclysmic fire. Uh but the greater death dragons are ones that 
cling to that vestige of memories. They have some semblance of who they were, and they use that to kind of fuel who they are now in their undeath. Uh, these dragons will often have personalities. They will often still keep hordes like other dragons, um, but they also have that benefit of <laughs> benefit loosely of being able to uh, breathe this undead energy and command hordes of zombies and you know other things that most your your average dragon can't do. Mm. Noted. Yeah. So it almost feels, I mean, I don't want to necessarily compare it to other uh, properties out there, but kind of like a villain with the word uh, Darth in their name. Yeah. Um, right? Yeah. Like, how it, like they have a lot of their memories, but it's twisted and evil mm-hmm. and, 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 and yep. uh, you know, consumed mm-hmm. by hatred. I can see a lot of that happening. Yep. Yep. Just, yeah, that that is 100% where my mind went. Uh, to not name any, any <laughs> no, other I mean, IP. We can certainly name Darth Vader. Know. It's not like I even oddly enough, I have a Pez dispenser of Darth Vader right in front of me. Weird. Why that also came to mind. Maybe that was part of it. But it also is harkens to uh, one of the most famous writers of one of these Death Dragons that appears in Shadow of the Dragon Queen. Right. Yes. Um, the. One of my favorite pieces of art is the art that accompanies Lord Th- uh, Lord Soth Stat Block. That's a tongue twister. Um, <laughs> but uh, his stat block has this amazing portrait of him riding a death dragon as it sort of soars over the battlefield. And it is, oh, it's so epic. And it really, Dragonlance is one of those settings that I feel hits that very classic sense of uh, adventure stories, so very much in the same vein of like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, that kind of, that scale of epicness, that kind Mm -hmm. of both high fantasy and yet simultaneously grittiness, Uh, understanding that people are are, are losing their lives and there is calamity and, and threat, but there is also that bright light of heroes and I love the image of like death dragons facing down a, a band of heroes and like the, the purple fire silhouetting them or, or seeing like Lord Soth's red eyes peeking up from his helmet as you see behind him, the wings of the, the death dragon and all that purple fire. Oh, it's so good. Oh, that is so, so good. cool. Right. And then immediately I have the, the one of the heroes riding a metallic dragon to yeah. fight against uh, that awfulness. Right. Like it has that, Battle of the Pelennor Fields kind mm-hmm. of feel to it, right? Where there's yep. there's going to be these large, um, you know, epic, for lack of a better word, uh, uh, confrontations and death dragons figure very, very much into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Well, how can, I mean, obviously Dragonlance has got yep. that but going on for it, but I'm curious because I know you uh, are a fan of homebrew and making yeah. uh, things your own. How would yes. you use death dragons in your own game? Yes, so that's the fun thing about uh, Death Dragons is while a lot of kind of their aesthetics and their origin story does uh, revolve around Kryn and the history of Kryn, the the very basics of the Death Dragon is that it is a dragon that has been so consumed by rage and hatred and revenge that it has risen from the dead and been consumed by this kind of fire. And whether that fire originates from the 
cataclysm of Kryn or something else can be entirely malleable. Uh, even the stat block description says that sometimes death dragons arise with no connection to the calamity of Kryn. And so you already kind of have that doorway there. Um, I always, because I like playing with the dualities um, and what exactly what exactly is the line between productive anger and spite and then destructive anger and rage? I would love to be able to play with like death dragons in that sense of like these engines of a vengeance that sort of have sprung up as remnants of a long forgotten war or long forgotten gods and the characters can either draw power from them and sort of see where that become strong but also see where that leads them but also may have to defeat them and and reclaim some things from them i think it would be so cool to see a death dragon that is not purely evil uh, mm. but a death dragon who is just very protective and who has lost a lot of things and having to convince that dragon to work with you or work with the party and be an ally uh, a very powerful ally would be super cool you think you could? You think you could convince one of these to work with the party? I I think if you went along if you went along with the idea of like what causes if you if you boil down the idea of what causes like one of these dragons to rise up and it is the notion of so enough anger and rage about their unfinished business that they just persist um I think it would certainly be hard uh and I think it would be interesting how the whole uh, they command hor- and create hordes of zombies would work, hmm. but death is not an inherently evil thing. And uh, while undeath typically pertains to destruction and malevolent intent, I think there is something very fascinating narrative-wise about a creature who can bring people back so they can complete uh, something that they are so dead set on doing and giving them that last final hurrah or that final reprieve. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think it would be super cool to have to contend with a death dragon who maybe arose out of grief, out of the fact that it lost something and now it remains because it is trying to rectify that grief. And I and think that would be a really fun story moment. Yeah, and to me, there's a difference between Dracoliches and yep. Death Dragons, right? Where yep. Dracoliches chose this transformation. They chose this mm-hmm. form to become undead, you know, versions of themselves. But I don't think Death Dragons chose yep. it, right? Nope. So that could be part yep. of that narrative as well. Yep. Death Dragons are... Like, Dra- Dracoliches have to take the... The, the steps, the measures, they have intent behind their, you know, weird half-life state. Death dragons kind of just exist. Uh, obviously, they are usually used for very evil and very destructive means, and the whole, they breathe out uh, bursts of necrotic energy, and if you die from that necrotic energy, you rise up as a zombie under the death dragon's control. <laughs> Definitely lends itself towards more evil purposes. <laughs> It's not or, like it's not like you can do like, man, I want to open up a bakery, so I'm just gonna like create a whole army of zombies so I can make my croissants. Like that doesn't happen. It's I not- just need I need labor. I need people to help me. 
Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Kneading dough, (laughs) probably. (laughs) As long as they don't get like pieces of flesh in there, that happens sometimes. You gotta have gotta flavor. It's it's full body nut. Yeah. You know, you know how you gotta season a cast iron skillet. You gotta (laughs) season the season the bread with you know some zombie bits. It's fine. (laughs) It's a delicacy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but uh, yeah. So uh, inherently, the the stat block does kind of lend itself towards more evil uh, purposes because armies of zombies rarely do productive things. Yeah. They are more armies of zombies tend to be more uh, engines of destruction. But, but I could see a scenario like yeah. you're talking about where the party necessarily, you know, understands that this is an, a, a not typical way to yep. go, but maybe befriending yep. this this torrent of vengeance because that's why one of the reasons yep. why they are created. And we're like, well, what mm-hmm. if the vengeance is directed towards an even worse foe? An enemy, right. yeah, a, co- a common enemy. Yep. A common enemy. Yep. Yeah, I also I love the idea of like if you have uh, if you have a death dragon on your side, um, and you have uh, possibly less moral compunctions about this. Uh, but if your army is dying and on the verge of dying, if you have the death dragon decimate that section of your army plus the other army, then you get more soldiers <laughs> rising from the dead, right? continuing the fight. Obviously, there are some some moral issues with sacrificing your soldiers like that, but it but that's is certainly something that, that I can see in like a fantasy book. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a, it's a cool tactic. And I know that is something that isn't uh, the thing for a lot of people who play D and D, but I also know that there are several people out there who love kind of that tactician and that moral quandary nature about uh, how you lead an army against uh, an impossible foe, and sometimes making those alliances and doing those sacrifices kind of is yeah. a part of it. That'd be really neat. Um, so about that, about if you uh, fall to one of these death dragons, oh yeah, and you rise up again as you are or, a zombie. Okay, yeah, I mean, yay, yes. Well, I that feel like be fun. It's it's not it's it's well, I won't say it's not the worst fate because it's pretty bad. <laughs> But I think from a DM perspective, um, I think there's a lot you could do in terms of like, when we say they rise back as a zombie, that mostly just means they use the zombie stat blocks. How you decide to flavor those soldiers that come back Mm -hmm. is kind of entirely up to the DM. So they could have more consciousness than your average um, just want brains zombie. Um, They could have that same drive for revenge or that... uh, persistence um and they don't have to be like you know shambling creatures that have like rotting flesh off of them they can take all sorts of different forms um that's i think one of the other fun things about uh D stat blocks overall is being able to use the mechanics and just kind of put a different skin on them and being able to so easily manipulate that to fit into different narratives and really explore how those mechanics feed into those narratives. Uh, so when they come back, when these these undead, do they are they like, loyal to the death dragon that destroyed them? Do they do, are they coming back with like one sole mission? Can you control um, them? So they're pretty much loyal to the death dragons, uh, okay. both uh, lesser and greater death dragons when they use their cataclysmic breath. 
they when they create those zombies those zombies uh follow the death dragon's direction uh however without any direction the zombies will usually uh as i look at their stat blocks uh (laughs) they just try to kill any uh, non-undead creature (laughs) and they just kind of go um but typically the the death dragon will try and direct them what a management nightmare that is yep (laughs) right so uh, uh yeah. so we only got a couple more minutes left but yes. i would love you know beyond these conceptual things like what how would you portray uh, a death dragon uh in in game would you make them you know like dio and and be metalheads or, <laughs> or or what so right now um something that i i'm working on uh one of my home campaigns is approaching um sort of a fight wild arc but it mostly spawns from the idea of uh, where do our ideas come from and how does the generation of ideas intersect with um, imagination and how that moves between like the the whimsy of it and then the other side of imagination where it's anxiety and despair and imagining gruesome scenarios that just kind of pull you down. And I feel like Death Dragons would be this great opposition in that sort of scenario of being those engines of despair and and grief and and anger uh that just kind of persist um instead of having like for me because i love when i do my home games i love taking dme monsters and kind of reskinning them or giving them different flavor Mm. um and having these monsters be instead of that violet fire it's like that pure white and everything they breathe upon it just sucks the color out of it and it just sort of drains them of that color paints them in that monochromeness um and like the zombies that come up they could be instead of uh you know humanoid zombies they could be more like ink monsters or other kinds of or even like paper craft creatures kind of drawing on that idea of like authors and stories and having that be the flip side to that kind of whimsy colorful fairy tale thing uh that's that's if if you listen to this episode my players ignore everything you just said no it's <laughs> all hypothetical it's all Not hypothetical but um i'm hoping to do that arc very very soon because i love looking at that theme of where do our ideas come from and and how imagination can be powerful and also incredibly detrimental and how we use that and i would i would love to death dragon when i saw the death dragon stat block i was like this is perfect this is exactly everything i wanted just a couple of like different paints over the top of it and it's 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 perfect i love that i love that taking the monochromatic nature of Mm -hmm. them and making that seem like like ink on a page oof chef's kiss oh nice Love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mackenzie, for uh, introducing us to these fantastic greater death dragons and lesser death dragons. Can't wait to hear how the rest of the D&D community uh, uses them in the Dragonlance campaign or, uh, you know, in one of the cool ideas that you just um, Mm -hmm. or or like one of those. So how can people potentially tell you about all those fun things that they are creating? Uh, Well, you can find me over on Twitter and most other social media sites uh, at Mackenzie Lane DA. That is M-A-K-E-N-Z-I-E-L-A-N-E-D-A. I ramble on into the void there about uh, my exploits both in my D&D campaigns and outside of my D&D campaigns and also whenever uh, we get to talk about cool things that we have made in the studio that finally get released to the public you will see me shouting about them over there as well Uh, thank you so much for having me it's always a lovely lovely time getting to talk monsters and talk shop with y'all 
We love, love it. it. Thank you so, so much. So much fun. Thank Excellent. You. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you. Thank meet you. Some more monsters soon. Yay! As always, I love to hear from Mackenzie about all of the things, uh, the the little murder babies that she creates for the D&D game. Nobody loves monsters as much as Mackenzie. It's true. So adorable. Love them. And uh, they are also quite terrifying, which is also wonderful for a challenge uh, for everyone out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But someone who is not terrifying, someone who is a delight that we would love to introduce next is Katie Downey. Let's get her on the horn. Let's do it. Everyone, let's welcome Katie Downey, a.k.a. Goblin Katie Downey. Yeah! Yeah! Oh my God, my, my, I think I broke a blood vessel there. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> finally, after seven years, Greg, finally broke a vessel. And my, my voice went up an octave. It's so great for Yay! you to be joining us. How are you doing? Thank you. It, it's wonderful to be here. I am fabulous. I am peachy keen jelly bean. Nice. <laughs> and barterific in your rhyming. Indeed. <laughs> Sweet. Well, you have been, uh, you know, uh, uh, a pillar, shall I say, of the TRPG live play D&D scene out there for a long, long time. And we're, uh, you know, going to talk about all that as well as LARPing because... That's something that Shelly and I are, are extremely interested in. I think, you know, LARPing curious is, is the I, word. Yeah, I am, for sure. I'm happy to, to help indoctrinate you into the fold. <laughs> mm. I, uh, so you've been on D4 for a very long time. Uh, mm-hmm. We love those guys. They uh, have been uh, a you know, big part of our, you know, uh, uh, amazing D and D community. Uh, so yeah, like I, w- talk a little bit about how that started. How did you get involved with them? Um, I knew Dustin. Uh, we we run two DMs for for those who aren't aware. Uh, Dustin Fletcher and Devin Henderson. Uh, they run simultaneously. So uh, I knew Dustin through LARPing, and he got a hold of me in uh, late 2018 and said, "Hey, do you want to play D and D on a stream?" And at the time, I was only LARPing, and I was like, yeah, I want to get back into tabletop. Yeah, yeah, I'll play. What's a stream? <laughs> and he told me, I was like, okay, well, that that sounds kind of theatery. That sounds fun, sure. And I went, we played a, uh, a test game with the group to see how we kind of uh, mesh together, almost like a session zero. And it went beautifully. We had an absolute blast. Uh, it was my first time meeting everybody else, and it, we all just clicked immediately. So we, we knew we had the right group, and uh, starting in 2019, we went live, and we've been playing the same campaign since. Wow. Wow. And all through the pandemic and everything. Mm-hmm. We... We normally play in person. Um, we have a studio here in Atlanta, Georgia, and we normally will sit around and play in person. Uh, recently, one of our cast members had to move, and so we remote them in now, but the rest of us are still in studio. But during the pandemic, we went virtual. Uh, we played from online, uh, tried to be as safe as possible. Once things started calming down, uh, we went back into the studio 
Uh, we had strict mask, social distancing, testing protocols in place. Um, because Dustin and Devin work on film sets, they're familiar with the links that uh, are common within the industry. And so they applied them to us and uh, we were able to return back in person and it has been wonderful. Aww. That's great. That's yeah. nice. I think that's what I love about uh, you know, D4 and Dustin and Devin and, and, and all of the performances you guys have been doing is that it feels very much like they're using their skills that they're using their day jobs of, you know, uh, creative, uh, you know, costume management and props and stuff on, on film yeah. sets. And then you get to have that experience around the yeah. table. That's so cool. It, it really is. And it's, it's such a remarkable group. Um, we've got, uh, Ethan Munsoor plays a, uh, a bard named Harold. Uh, he's a bard slash warlock. Um, Rhea Sunshine plays a delightful necromancer death cleric. Um, delightful, delightful. Venley is just a delight. She she collects teeth. Mm. Yeah, everybody has a hobby. Uh, <laughs> Katie Adkins, who uh, you might remember her name from Too Many Cooks. Um, she plays V Vederock, um, who is our Goliath barbarian paladin. Ellie Collins plays uh, a. Oh, what is it? She's a druid, the star druid. Circle of stars. There we mm. go. Circle of stars druid. And um, Ray Berry plays Petunia Potts. Aww. So that's that's our running team. And then I play Seisha Valispard, uh, who is a, uh, a paladin uh, inquisitive rogue. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I think, so I know we've talked to Dustin and Devin about code. They were, that's where I learned co-DMing was a thing. And I yeah. thought it was so cool. But so what's it like as a player in a campaign with two DMs? Because they're they're very much are doing this together. It's not like a I'll when you need a break, I'll jump in. <laughs> like it's, it, it, they are it's very, very much in sync. Uh yeah. they we we think they share our brain. We're we're pretty mm-hmm. sure. Um, but it's it's really cool because when one of them is doing an NPC, if you've got a question or something like that, you can catch the other's eye. Or if you need to give them a roll or something like that, it keeps things moving smoothly. Um, the way they play off each other in describing things or having NPC interactions is amazing, and you get a little more um, you get a little more variety in the uh, the NPCs that you can interact with in any given moment. Um, they they write the overall game together during the week. And then on, and they ask us for input. What do you want to do? So we'll, we'll provide that. But um, Devin is remarkable with pre-planning. He is just a beast. And Hmm. then Dustin is phenomenal in the moment. And so we have the best of both worlds coming together for one game. And it's, it's outstanding. Like left brain, right brain. Uh, yeah, totally. it really is. And and the way they just they can just communicate with looks. And so you'll be sitting there going, "What's what's going on? <laughs> what's that look what mean? Yeah. <laughs> what's that facial expression? Is that happy or is that sad? I can't tell. Right? If they're happy, is it sad for us? <laughs> right. Usually, that's the, the typically. Case. Yeah. Oh, they went down this pathway. <laughs> yes. We have. Uh, 
infamous dungeon master in our uh, fold, Chris Lindsay. And every time you make a bad decision, he's always like, oh, his hand. <laughs> he does like the hand rubbing thing. Like, oh, curses. <laughs> Mistakes were made. <laughs> or they're about to. He's like, are you sure that's what you want to do? I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Not take, anymore. Take, take it back. Take it back. I take it back. <laughs> Go backwards. <laughs> Run away. Just play that reverse Uno card. <laughs> I know. Yes, that's what we need. Well, yes. and I love too that they're the 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 way you describe the group as well as uh, uh, Devin and Dustin working together. That was one of the things I loved about Dustin when I met him at the stream of Many Eyes. He, I don't know, I mean, I think I've told the story before, but it's worth repeating since we're we're giving them so much praise now. But he just came in and was like, "Hey, do you need any help? I feel like you would need some help with the costumes and things. That's kind of what I do." And we're like, "Sure." Come on out and, you know, uh, make it all happen. And he, I don't think that event would have occurred quite as successfully as it did if he wasn't there and uh, just being that breath of fresh air. He lifted up everybody in the room as well as the, you know, uh, amazing cosplayers and LARPers and uh, Renfair folks who were there making it all happen. And uh, it was, it really just came from, from, from his wellspring of, of love of wanting to make something cool. He yeah. he had so much fun doing that. He he speaks of it very fondly. Um, he's he said it's one of the uh, the the most fun things he's done. So Aww. and he took that energy. That I think all that fun and he like channeled it into this stream because I think he saw too also for the first time like oh this streaming of D and D is a way to get more LARPy type of stuff happening in D and D play. And you know even though it's only four years later, it feels like so much in this community has changed and shifted since since that moment. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, Just since I started getting back into it, I've seen so much uh, advancement in how people approach the table. Uh, and it's, it's really cool because I, I did TTRPGs back when I was a teenager in my early 20s. Um, and so I, I look at then versus now and the the advancements for for lack of a better way to put it that yeah. have come to fruition in that time is just spectacular and i i honestly feel like uh dustin and devin with their props and their maps and their npcs they they really have taken it up another level yeah yeah so how, what are some of the, the those things what are some lessons that you've learned um, from taking, uh, you know, th the, uh, their inspiration and how they're running it, but then also your experience with LARPing and, and bringing that to the table. How, is, how, how has it changed? How, is, how has it grown? I think um, from when I used to play to now, uh, one thing I've noticed is there's more comfort in deep role play. Um, sort yeah. of getting into the character and and feeling those emotions and and manifesting them. Um, back when I was first playing, that that wasn't really our our jam. And uh, the <laughs> I I like to joke that I am a zero prep DM and. And for, for the most part, I am. But after having worked with Dustin and Devin, I've seen uh, what is possible with planning. And so I, <laughs> I'm i not saying that they've <laughs> taught me anything because I don't want to give them that to lord over me. But I may <laughs> have adjusted some oh. of my techniques a little bit. Um, <laughs> but the one of the biggest things to me is the crafting that mm. uh, comes into it. 
um, they build these amazing maps from scratch. And uh, they'll uh, kitbash miniatures together, and it it just blows me away. And they'll do this over the course of a week or two um, because they're still working full-time day jobs, and then they're building all this stuff. And uh, it's... It's a good example of um, time management, I think, (laughs) although I'm not entirely sure they sleep, so I wouldn't necessarily uh, vouch for their approach. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I mean, you said you were a a no prep DM, which I actually admire, and I think, why change that? And, but, so like, there obviously is a balance between Mm -hmm. like the amount of prep that they do and like, they're just so talented in that yeah. space, and a lot of us are are not. But so, like, where? So now, where are you in your prep? Because as somebody who's learning how to DM, that's the the thing I struggle with the most. I I definitely can feel the too much prep happening in my brain, and that's mm-hmm. when I do not do well. So, what's what are your tips there? I I like to come up with a rough outline of scenes that I think would be cool. Okay. And an overall story. Um, And that's pretty much the extent of my usual prep. Now, I have adjusted that because things like I've noticed how cool it is to receive like text props and and trinkets and stuff like that. So I've I've kind of adjusted in uh, incorporating some things that are a little more um, likely to happen. But the the big thing to me is listening to your players and mm-hmm. what they want to do and what they are trying to do in a given situation and finding a way that that can impact the things that you kind of thought would be cool um, and being comfortable with the idea that if they skip something, they skip something. If, if it doesn't pique their interest – you don't force it on them. Uh, find something else to fill the space if you need to to complete the rest of the session or um, just take them down another road and, and see if they prefer uh, the other option. When, when I run story, I try to keep things very loose so that um, it can be real accommodating. Um, for me personally, I find if I have a real linear story, I I get in the mindset that I have to stick to it, yeah, and that yep, gets I've, railroady. So rather than um, making somebody feel like they're in a movie, rather than a an improv, um, I try to avoid uh, putting too much structure there because I know my tendency will be to gravitate to it. So more yeah. of more of building a foundation and then letting the players build the house. Oh, Greg and I love using house metaphors when we talk about things. <laughs> <laughs> They're so good. Out. It's really good. Like it, it really does work. Um, this is so. When you have you DM'd for brand new people? Yes, yes, I so have. I have. That's pretty much it. Like I don't have that much DMA experience. So I, I will use I have to use the same examples over and over. But I recently had an experience DMing for a family, a mom and dad and two daughters, eight and ten years old. 
and they were brand new and I'm, I'm like obviously new but I I asked everybody's like you should DM for people who know how to play they'll help you with the rules I'm like uh-uh, uh-uh. I want to DM for people who don't know when I'm screwing something up <laughs> but well and one of the things I love about D&D is the uh the fact you can't really screw it up and it's, that is a that's lesson that's what I keep saying that yeah. is something that I have learned and I think I I made some wild assumptions, but mm-hmm. in this game, like they're going to do this, they're going to like this. Um, but fortunately, I've I have also learned like you can't get too attached to those things because they're not going to happen. It's just yeah. never going to yeah. happen, and then you just have to roll with it. But I actually thought, just knowing the girls, I'm like, I don't think they're going to enjoy combat. Like I just, I think they they would be more interested in like taming something or finding something or looking, mm-hmm. you know, for puzzles and riddles and exploring, which is why we did the Witchlight Carnival because there was so much for them to do there. Yeah. But I did want them to get just like a little taste of what it's like to cast a spell and, you know, to s- swing a sword. So we we entered into like what I thought was just going to be like real light combat. I was going to make the, the <laughs> little um, coven thieves run away even. Yeah. And nope. They wanted to fight. They, I'm like, well, th- and that ended up taking up most of our session. They were, I just kept bringing out more bad guys for them to fight. <laughs> kids are either, <laughs> I, I love playing with kids. They come up with the most amazing things yes. in game. And I find they are either like these beautiful little pacifists that, that are so convincing and wonderful at finding ways around yes. engaging, or they are the most bloodthirsty little terrors. It was crazy. It's, it's one or the other. It a hundred percent. And like, they're like so docile, these, these girls. And like mm-hmm. one of them's just even like so shy. She didn't, she just doesn't talk usually in yeah. circumstances. And she was playing a druid because she actually wanted to be a squirrel. So I let her, I'm like, you're a druid, and you're just constantly in squirrel form. No problem. Yeah. And it, when it was time for her in in uh, initiative order, like, she would just really quietly whisper, thorn whip. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the magic word. Like, you got it, it, girl. Yeah, and she loved she loved rolling the dice, and they t- uh, her parents – told me after they were like she loved it so much like they both loved it and they just like their mom ended up like doing like this really sweet killing blow on one of the 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 bad guys and they were just like oh my god when mommy sliced that ghoul in half that was so cool (laughs) like they just wouldn't stop talking about it like you just you just don't know and like if anybody wants to just dive into being a dungeon master and just Mm -hmm. Have like an honest to God, go with the flow, like learn improv on the spot. Just get some kids together because yeah. they oh. will they will just do whatever you don't think they're going to do. And you it's You so will learn fun. so much you from do. children. Yes. They will always pick option eight. That's uh, <laughs> the one thing you did not plan for is option eight. And exactly. kids will always option eight you. Yes. Yeah. They were just, I mean, they just did so many, like, they went on the gondola rides at the carnival. I didn't expect them to go there, so I didn't even look at that part of the map. <laughs> and that was the first thing they did. They're like, gondola ride? <laughs> Let's ride a swan. And then the kids, You think they'd go for, like, the House of Mirrors, but no, gondolas. No, they went for the gondolas. And, like, the dad was like, I'm going to jump off this swan. And they're like, oh, okay. And then the kids were like, we want to feed our swan cotton candy. 
And they did. And they ended up making the swan very, very ill. Like, oh, no. <laughs> like comic, comically so. And then so like everybody had to disembark from the, the swan because the, <laughs> the swan was like, I got to go. They, they got to <laughs> mop the swan area. <laughs> and the they love that part. They, it was. They were just, like, of course, that was like Quinn. My son was like really like. I'm just going to keep feeding it cotton candy. I'm just going to see what happens. <laughs> like, well, That's amazing. you have broken the swan. So. What I love about you, this is I'm so proud of you, Shelly, because Thank you. Thank in the you. past, you've talked about how you, you know the players did something unexpected and you were like, mm, I don't know. And you were like, oh, oh well, let's go down. with it. And how to, how to make it happen. And I love it. It's that actually too. quite fun. Yeah. Once, once you start getting a feel for it, DMing is just, it's, it's a dream. Because you're you're helping other people create this world, and yes. you're you're getting to incorporate their input into the big picture, and it's it's so much fun to to help people feel like they're seen and acknowledged in yes. that way, and that right. empowerment. It's very yeah. very special, and and it's yeah. super I, important. It mm-hmm. is important, and like and just a quick shout out to you, Greg, because that Greg is a no prep DM. Um, <laughs> And I yes. admire that to to no extent, but like he's given me the sort of like confidence of like it's it's kind of fun to not know what's going to happen as a yeah. player certainly, but also as a DM. So mm-hmm. I have definitely like loosened up just watching Greg in action. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. But if you, <laughs> so you make it all happen. It's not me. You know, whatever. Uh, but it I is. love. I mean, I, what, what I was trying to go for with with my segue there uh, Oops, was sorry. how it's important for uh, you know not just youth but everybody to feel seen and heard. Uh, yes, Katie, Katie, you were already going in that direction, uh, and I you're agree. doing so much great stuff uh, as ambassador for Take This, as well as. Uh, helping out with uh, Jasper's Game Day, which we have loved and supported on this uh, podcast as much as we can. So, yeah, I would love to to hear your thoughts uh, about how, you know, even just the 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 casual uh, session that Shelly you're describing, but those small things can mean a lot to to people who are absolutely. struggling. Oh, absolutely, especially when um, when somebody's feeling like uh, they don't have a voice or they're feeling like um, the their impact isn't uh, as profound as you may want it to be. Um, gaming is not therapy. I want to make that real clear. <laughs> but it can help you develop coping mechanisms mm. and it can help you have a space where you can be the hero and or you can be the villain or uh, allow you to have control over a situation where maybe you feel very out of control in life. Um, one of the amazing things about gaming is the way that it facilitates an opportunity for us to become an ideal. And when you play through that, you can kind of get a feel for, okay, well, this is a, a really good way this character handled this. Maybe I can try that in, in my life. And I have found uh, playing characters uh, who were very sweet Um made me realize situations where maybe I wasn't being the the kind of person I wanted to be. 
And so I would say, okay, well, how would that character approach this person being an absolute pill? And, uh, and I'd kind of adopt that rather than getting disgruntled back at them. And, um, and I think it paid off well. I think learning uh, interpersonal relationship uh, quirks between characters and adopting them into real life sometimes has served me well. Uh, it, it gives you an opportunity to release some of the vulnerabilities and emotions that you may not be comfortable uh, bearing in real life. Mm. And it gives you the opportunity to explore uh, things, uh, different perspectives, different genders, different uh uh, sexualities, whatever it may be, you get that opportunity to um, explore it in a, in a safe environment. And I know several people who have have found great comfort in doing that. Um, and it it just when when the scheduling god doesn't step on you and <laughs> you get to play. It, it gives you such a release and it gives you something to look forward to. Totally. So even if things in life are difficult, you've got this thing that's coming up that you can be excited for because you're going to get to see people you like. You're going to get to be creative and tell this wonderful story. You're going to get to visit this character that chances are you probably really like. And it's, it's, just this wonderful aspect for you to be able to embrace. Man, I want to put all that in a bottle and <laughs> send it back in time to every person who's who, uh, criticized D&D uh, over the years, uh, yeah. my mother included. Uh, for, for, I mean, because you're totally right. Like, and we've been saying it and really kind of thinking about it in these terms, like playing Dungeons and Dragons or any role-playing game where you're where you're embodying someone else i think just makes you a better person it's so yeah. hard to yes. hard to kind of say that without being like eh, there's some caveats there but in in general it does because of all the things you just mentioned right like it gives you um so many to tools and skills to cope with life even though it's a fake life that you're yeah. practicing in it, it, it doesn't intuitively make sense but the people that i've spoke to uh, uh, uh throughout this community uh, have found so much good in their lives by uh, having, you know, just even just having empathy for mm -hmm. a persona that's not yours is yeah. a huge skill that is learned through through Dungeons and Dragons. Absolutely. And you learn a lot of skills that you can apply to real-life jobs through gaming. Um, I, uh, from, from LARPing, I at one point was uh, playing a noble at a uh, national game, and uh, I reached the highest rank a player could reach. I was countess, and I had a team of about 50 people that I was responsible for. And I learned a lot about people management, time yeah. management, asset management, um, all these things that served me well in my career came from gaming. Yeah, because you don't think you're doing it for a job; you're doing it for fun. Right. Yeah, but you're still yeah. the, the the skills transfer. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's yeah. so cool. It's One like of my favorite. Said, uh, no, 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 no. Finish. 
the last thing was just, yeah, how people said when World of Warcraft was really big and they were saying, like, if you can run a guild, you know, to raid uh, with, with 200 people and manage all that, then you can manage a company. And, yeah. you know, they were looking for those types of skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think uh, the one of my favorite skills that can be taught through gaming is to not be afraid of failure and to yes. make the most of it because you fail all the time. Those dice are not always kind to you or, like, it doesn't matter. Like sometimes that's where the best stories come from, and you mm-hmm. just you move on. That's it. I I always say uh, my dice don't roll great; they roll great for story. Yes, because yes. sometimes failing makes the better story. It really does. Yeah. It can be very very funny, and I do mm-hmm. try to make that happen, especially with those kids when they're like, yep. oh. This is what happened. And they like to roll. They'll like, they'll get out there and role play what happened. No, no, no. It was actually like this. And I tripped over this. And, you know, my arrow went flying or whatever. But And that is one thing I love when DMing is if somebody like has a vision of how something happens. I love when they share that. Oh, yes. Yes, that is. And that was also something I learned from Greg, too, is asking people, what does that look like when mm-hmm. this happens? It's really a good tactic, especially for new people who aren't quite sure like what the role-playing part of this game really looks like or yeah. you know how they should talk I like, about it. I like to do it on uh, when I do charity streams. If I DM for charity streams, I will do that. Or, or regular games off stream. I will always ask, what does your spell look like? What does it look like yeah. when you defeat this person? Because it, it gives that player a moment to shine and to bring their ideas to the table and and it gives you a better feel for their character and and who that character is so that's a real easy way to uh uh, incorporate more of your player's input and i think that's good for as you mentioned charity streams or convention play where you're not necessarily the best friends with everybody that you're playing mm-hmm. with yet right. but it's a way to break the ice it's that it's that yeah. kind of all right well you you give me some information about you that's a little bit better than say hey what's your major or <laughs> yeah. or what do you do no t- <laughs> tell me how you kill this goblin is how i get to know you <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure there's like some deep-rooted psychology in it, but <laughs> yes, you can learn a lot from a person like, from telling you how they killed the goblin. Why are we saying goblin? She has goblin in her name. Her it's name true. Out. Sorry, Pop. I don't want to offend you, know, you. I wasn't going to say anything. But <laughs> probably because I didn't even consider it. <laughs> now that I have brought it up. Now that you've killed that mind flare, tell me how it how it yes, looks. Uh, right. even better. <laughs> Much better. Um, so yeah, you mentioned these these charity streams. I love that uh, uh, that's become a focus uh, for for you. And I'm sure yeah. there's people out there who would love to do to more stuff like that if they're streaming or doing. So yes, what's some what's some guidelines or advice or things that you've gleaned over the last few years of doing those types of streams? Um, one of the the biggest things that I've learned is um, be open to the experience. You mm. are playing at a table with other people who are uh, supportive of the same cause. You already have something in common with them. So going into it, um, it's it's not like you're coming into a situation with complete strangers. You have something in common with these folks. You've, you've mm. got a foundation to build a, a rapport. And so it's, it's less terrifying to me uh, than just approaching a brand new table. Um, the folks who volunteer for charity streams are uh, usually there because they have a connection to it. 
and everybody is going to be bringing their best to the table because this is something that's important to them. And so if you go into it with with that outlook, you're going to have such a good time mm. because you're you're not going to be in your head. You're going to be able to be in the moment and really enjoy what you're creating for this cause that that means so much to you. Um, getting involved with charity streams is actually really easy. Um, find organizations that uh, uh, mean something to you and uh, search Twitter. Mm. See if – do a search with TTRPG and that particular charity. See if there's a call going out. If there's not um, – Or if Twitter is gone or, or for Twitter, some reason. Yes. Uh, any social media, really. Um, <laughs> heck, you can even Google it. Um, but it's uh, a lot of times it's just coming through the community. And so if you get on social media and get into the uh, into uh, uh, TTRPG type communities, you can oftentimes find somebody who's like, hey, we want to do a charity fundraiser for this. Um, if you're interested, here's a Google Doc to fill out. Um, the, the big thing is be on time, try mm-hmm. not to be late, uh, cause it takes a little time to get stuff set up in, uh, OSB or, or OBS or whatever they're using. Um, so be on time, be respectful of everybody's time and presence and just remember what you're doing it for. And it, the joy will come, I promise. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I want to go back just a little bit. Like Greg mentioned some of the, that you are, you do work for Jasper's Game Day as executive manager, but also um, take this, you're a brand ambassador. And just, mm-hmm. it's such a great, both are such great causes. But maybe for people who aren't familiar with Take This, I just think there's, the mission is so wonderful. Just a little description of, of what Take This is and how you're involved with it would be great. Take This is an organization. It is a uh, charity that was started by a group of mental health professionals in the gaming field. Uh, the mission is to destigmatize uh, mental health and uh, foster better support for it within gaming communities and industries. They work with different uh, game companies, both uh, computer, TTRPG, you name it, uh, to approach mental health in a productive and uh, safe way so that it it fosters uh, a better understanding of what good mental health involves within games. You have some games where it's very obvious they didn't really consider uh, the the way they're portraying mental health um, and what effect that might have on people's view of it. But then you have games like um, Spiritfarer, which is the uh, 2022 Mark Klein Community Choice Award from Take This. Um they it's a game where game. you're playing this little character who is finding spirits who are about to move on and you're helping them 
resolve life and mm. come to terms with it. And then you take them to the gate where they pass on. And it is beautiful. Um, you look at a game like that where it it teaches you these uh, these skills that you might not come into contact with until you're desperately in need of them. And this is, again, one of those situations where uh, a game can help you develop skills that pay off in life. Um, take This is one of the... Uh, one of the organizations that I think offers the most to the community, because if you go to their website, they have a resource page to help people find mental health professionals or crisis care in their area. They also have a lot of content for, um, uh, well, content creators. Uh, they have articles on how to avoid burnout, how to handle parasocial relationships. Uh, it's, they put so much out for for people to make use of and to do good with, and it is such a uh, such a tremendous honor to be able to support and be part of that. Uh, I I absolutely love and adore all of the the people that I have interacted with from Take This. It's it's an organization that does what they seek to do. And they just celebrated 10 years on oh, the 7th. Wow. 7th of November was their 10-year anniversary. So happy uh, anniversary. Happy yay. anniversary. Shout out to Dr. B. Uh, he's been on here before and, uh, you know, he's actually really close to us in West Seattle. I don't know if you know that, Shelley. Yes, yeah. I yeah. do, yeah. Yeah, super exciting. I uh, love all that. I love everything they do. Um, and I, Spirit Fair was a fantastic game. I love playing that. It's, <sighs> it, it's like a sim, too. It's not... It, it, yeah. I, I read the description under you, uh, the way you described it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, well, we'll be taking." But it's actually much more of like a Stardew Valley type of uh, it's very inventory management and 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 RPG. And then the graphics, uh, the sunsets. Oh. I could just look at those all day. Hmm. They're beautiful. The graphics and the music are just yeah, amazing. Yeah, really, really great. So just totally recommend that. And I love that it's a you know Dr. Mark Klein approved award winning game. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Love that guy. I remember talking to him uh, in my previous life as a game journalist, where he would using he was using Magic the Gathering cards in his practice with kids. And mm. this was like 15 years ago, and I remember how amazing that was. And I was like, "Oh yeah, a, a clinical psychologist using like Magic cards? That doesn't make any what?" And then it's yeah. it's, it's snowballed thing. into this wonderful organization that uh, 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 you know still bears some of his name. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's great stuff. Uh, yeah, and then, of course, Jasper's Game Day is is coming up soon, right? Uh, Jasper's Game Day is coming up in, uh, we've got uh, the big Jasper's event in May. In May. Um, we work with D&D Beyond and various folks in the TTRPG community and come together for an event where uh, we raise money to assist with uh, suicide awareness and prevention organizations. Um, 
Jasper's is sort of like a, a big umbrella and the rain comes down and it funnels into different organizations. Uh, it is a wonderful, wonderful group. It was started by uh, Fenway Jones, mm -hmm. who uh, had a best friend named Jasper that uh, she played D&D &D with. And uh, she lost Jasper to suicide. And so she decided that she wanted to mark his birthday every year as something special. And so Jasper's game day was born. And uh, it used to be predominantly at uh, conventions. And then when COVID hit, it switched to being uh, online. And now it has kind of evolved into being a big to do with uh, the wonderful folks at D&D Beyond, or wizards now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In the family, for sure. In the family. <laughs> yeah. And we've talked to Fenway a couple of times. She is just an inspiration, the fact that she, yeah. you know, kind of spearheaded this whole movement, yeah. uh, um, you know, through the pain and loss that she was feeling, and then yeah. channeled it into something that I think is really touched a lot of people when she yeah. was, you know, before, I, you know, uh, a teenager, right? Yeah, and being yeah able she to was have, 16, I believe, when she started it. that amount of just, uh, I don't know, gumption <laughs> to create I, I, something like this uh, at that age is amazing. I am so impressed with her. She is, she is just a remarkable young woman. Um, and the amount of dedication and love that she has poured into Jasper's is is truly astounding um she is absolutely fearless when it comes to uh jaspers it, it's amazing to see that's great i'm glad you you know there as executive manager that's so awesome yeah. being able yeah. to help it all out and keep those 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 uh the money pouring in to uh give to these amazing organizations to help those yeah. out there right Yep. So in addition to having people play D&D &D to be better people, we have, you know, some resources <laughs> that will help out as well. There's all sorts of ways. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Love that. Um, so where does uh, your acquisition of dice come into all of this? And dice okay, in your so, dice collection. Yeah. <laughs> when, when I got back into gaming in 2019, I had no dice because I, for some reason, didn't keep my dice that I had previously. So I had to buy new dice for D4. And I bought two sets and I looked at them and was like, well, two's good, but what if like they're <laughs> not rolling well? Right. I should get a few more. Yes. So I got a couple more. And then I saw Die Hard Dice and I saw all the pretty dice on their site. And I was like, oh, I need those. <laughs> I, I need those. So I bought those. Not and a then want. I it was saw, a need. It was definitely a need. Treat yourself. Yes. Treat yourself. Then I saw there were handmade dice. Yeah. And uh, I saw Greenleaf Geek was the first handmade dice person I bought from. And so I, I bought two handmade sets and I was like, hey – I'm I'm wondering about getting a set made. Could could I like give you a description and could you make a set? And she said, "Yeah, absolutely." So I got my first commission set. And I think that was when it was all over. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. When I I at this point I'm closing in on 800 complete sets oh, of yeah. dice. Whoa. Uh, that doesn't include like the packs of D6s or D10s or individual D20s. That's that's just full seven piece sets. Um, Eight hundred. Yeah, uh -huh, that's so many dice. It's so many dice. Where do you so keep many. them? 
I have two bookcases um, okay. that are filled with uh, craft organizers, the little bead organizers. Okay. Um, I have a bunch of those with uh, I love sets. you. For those not, you were not like watching. visually got up and like we're looking at that display. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you like, could oh, see them. I could see them. Oh. <laughs> there's yeah, there's there's a lot of them. I could I have all my uh, metal, stone, uh, wood, yeah, metal, stone, or wood sets in uh, wooden vaults. Nice. Um, oh my god! Because I don't want them knocking together and scratching no. each other. Um, I I just. I just, whenever I'm ready to play, I kind of walk over to the shelf and go, what do I feel like Right, today? how do you choose which ones are going to be, is there like a theme? Like, oh, <laughs> we're, it's like, oh, I'm in the Feywild today, so I'm going to use these. It's it's just whatever feels right, whatever okay. pops yeah. into my head. Um, it's like picking I, out crystals and stones, like, well, you just let it speak yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. very, it's very in tune kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I was at D&D in a castle uh, last week and oh. I had to pick sets to take over with me because I couldn't take the whole collection. And I agonized over that for like an hour trying to figure yeah. out which sets are making the journey. So <laughs> that was... Which, uh, which one's one out? Which What did you take with you? Um, I took... Uh, do I have my... No, I don't. Um, I took two uh, glass-looking sets from um, Die Hard. I took... Two hand paint and two metal sets from Die Hard. I took two hand painted sets from Everything Dice, and I took three uh, uh, double cast sets from um, Forbidden Fay. Wow! All right, so you end up taking still almost ten sets of dice. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I always oh play with three okay. uh, in the tray. And then I like to have extra in case those three need time out to kind of collect themselves yes. and think about what they want to roll and think about right. what they've done. Yeah, yeah. Are uh, you a dice jail type of person? Do you put them in I, dice jail? I actually, I subscribe to Dr. B's approach where you just kind of take the dice and reassure them that they don't <laughs> have to crit every time. No one is expecting you to crit every right. time. It's it's not going to happen. It's like we, gentle parenting for yeah, dice. Just do the best you can, <laughs> and that's good enough. Oh, so that's, there's there's actually a video of uh, that uh, critical bard took of Doctor B giving a talk to a D twenty that apparently hadn't been rolling well. And <laughs> at the end of it, he's like, "Okay, so let's see what you can do." Aww. And Doctor B rolls the D twenty, and it crits. No. <laughs> yes. yes. It is work. amazing. <laughs> if you if you go to my uh, Twitter page on uh, the seventh, I posted the video. So if you want to see it, I do you can, want you to can see find that. it. All right. Well, I'm sorry. One more question about the dice. Mm-hmm. When when you travel with them, like how do you pack them? Are they in dice bags or what? No. What's your, whoa! I, I, I knew it. How I knew dare you? How I know. dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I do oh, have babe. one dice bag that I will occasionally use for that because it's got separate compartments. Oh. Um, mm. I I usually have um, a case that I will put them in um, or I will just take vaults. I don't like oh. uh, loose dice knocking against each other. Um, it's just a thing. Yeah. It, it's kind of like some people don't like change rubbing together. Okay. Mm. 
dice knocking against each other in an uncontrolled situation damages my chill. So okay. <laughs> is it the sound or is it just the thought I, that I there might be damaged? There might be damage. It, oh, okay. I, I worry about the little precious dice babies. Um, okay. So I, I travel typically with them in vaults, which gets... What does that mean in vaults? Uh, the wormwood vaults? wormwood gaming vaults, those ones? Oh, um, I have like, wormwood. I have... Um, I got you. Uh, Staff and Branch, um, Elderwood Academy, and of course Talon and Branch. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So there's foam in there. Or so not they- Talon and Claw. Sorry, not Talon and Branch. Talon and Claw. Wow! 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 Amazing. And that's, yeah. I mean, you can damage your dice. I had, mm-hmm. I, uh, you're going to hate this story, but I had a big sack of, uh, it's not this exact dice bag, but I had a big one like this uh, with tons yeah. of stuff in there, including some stone dice that were gifted to me, I think by Wolfgang Bauer uh, at one point. And so I was like, oh, you're so good. And then my my daughter, when she was much younger, was swinging around this bag and oh, like no. swinging and like she liked the sound of it. I was like, yeah. oh yeah, sure, go for it. And then I open it up and the D4 had broken off and there was like shattered. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, fragments of uh, a broken stone D4. So you can oh, actually damage your dice. Yes, you can. I, um, I see you're, you're visibly like I know she's shaking. I, I am shook. <laughs> you are like the dice in a loose dice in a I dice bag. I am shattered like the D4. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you ever do, just in case folks don't know, if you ever do damage a stone die like that, contact the people you got them from. A lot of times they'll sell you just a loose uh, oh, die of idea. that type. So. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Good I should have done that. Instead, I think I just took a picture and, and posted it on Instagram that I, I rolled this die so hard that it shattered. <laughs> Magic missiled. <laughs> Magic missiled my own die. That is that is the other acceptable uh, uh, reaction. Yeah. yeah Sharing your sense. pain on social media is, <laughs> is always appropriate. Turning Which, it into a flex. I like it. <laughs> that happens in LARPing a lot too, right? With oh, the yeah. boffing and whatnot. There can be yeah. lots of bruises and or uh, things that happen. So, yeah, I yeah. wanted to ask about that because, you know, we're, we're getting out of time. But, geez, you have so many topics to cover. I know. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> we got we to gotta keep going. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have never LARPed. I've been around LARPing and seen people happen and I like the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what can you tell us about that? Because you've been doing it for, for decades at this point. Yeah. Um, what can you tell us about that? Because like, I, I, I think th- that's the natural extension of where D&D play can go to for some folks. Oh, absolutely. Um, LARPing, LARPing is not a spectator sport. You got to get in. You got to do it <laughs> because it looks ridiculous. I don't think any of us think we look cool um, wandering around with big foam swords. But it is so much fun. Uh you get into character you on Friday night, typically. Uh, most of the LARPs I play are three days. Um, so oh, Friday, Saturday, okay. Sunday. Friday night, you go in character, and you stay in character until Sunday morning. Um, you eat, sleep, drink in character. You can go to the bathroom out of character. Nobody's going to judge you. Just just take care of business. <laughs> um, but... It's it's so amazing because you're so invested in the the character and the story. And when you're 
you're dealing with this for a full weekend and you go away and you can solve the world's problems in one weekend. <laughs> you save the world in one weekend and Amazing. then you can go back to real life, which is far less satisfying. <laughs> But it's it's absolutely amazing to physically do the things that uh, in tabletop you talk about doing. Mm. Um, it's it can be very challenging in some ways, but the games typically have skills you can buy so that if you're not physically capable of making this thing happen, you can still do it as your character. Um, What's if you're not that? the greatest boffer fighter, you can get skills that will increase your damage. So when you do land hits, they're a lot more more potent. If you can beat somebody soundly with low damage, then you can spend those points on other things. Um, the the idea of fully embracing the story and the characters and the relationships you develop with people. Um, <clears throat> there, there are folks that I've played games with for five or more years that I only know by their character names because oh, that's wow. the only way I see them. So that's you, amazing. you mm -hmm. have this wonderful bond though. And on, on Sundays when everything's calmed down, they usually do a closing ceremonies and you go and you hang out with all these people that you've, you've been playing the character with for the weekend and you get to relive those moments. A lot of times a big group will go out to dinner or afterwards, lunch or dinner afterwards and hang out and just talk out a game and relive the, the glory moments of the game. It's, it's a really fun uh, step from the table to the field. Yeah, it sounds like it combines, you know, a lot of the stuff people maybe derisively talk about how when actors are in character while they're mm -hmm. on set or something like mm -hmm. that. And people will be like, oh, you don't need to do that, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, but that can be fun. That can be really yeah. exciting to be like, all right, I am this character for not just the couple hours around a table, but yeah. In, yeah. you know, quote unquote real life or like in a setting yeah. that allows your brain to get closer to that immersion uh, th that many of us as fantasy fans crave. Or that's that's why we played D&D. That's why we like role playing games mm -hmm. is that, oh, I can be in, you know, these 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 fantasy worlds and, and, and make decisions and, and have those relationships being built uh, in yeah. that way. And that's so cool. I love that idea of being able to do it for an extended amount of time. It's it's so immersive. It's amazing. There's nothing like it. Wow. Mm, I love that. All right. I'm sold. Okay. Let's do Ew. it. We're LARPing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start looking into LARPs in the area. I'll fly up. Nice. Oh, See, that's yeah. What yeah. I need. You'd I need... have to be our guide, though. Like, I want to I I go. I totally with... do that. All right. I only want to like do that. it with someone experienced. I... It, it does help. It, it honestly does. But uh, most, agent. most games we love newbies and embrace them and uh, just really try to, to hook them and bring them back. So, because the more the merrier. Okay. Right? And that's why I've, has, I think, been the major change of the D&D community over these last few decades. It's like just everybody has uh, a space at the table, a space in the, yeah. in the forest uh, to, to <laughs> experience all this together. And I think, uh, you know, make the world a better place, not only by defeating the evil that's in the game, but, you know, 
spreading that love of uh, of, of of creative support. Yeah. Throughout everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Make and it meeting your step goal. Because- and meeting your oh my god! I never <laughs> meet my step goal except if I'm at a LARP. Except if you're LARP or a convention. Yeah. <laughs> right. I would love LARP's it. A convention. I would love to see like a smartwatch. Be like the only times. It looks like you're LARPing. Would you like to record this LARP? Yes, I would. <laughs> you have earned, you know, burned 500 calories and 17 orcs with your fireball. Yes. I've been like, yeah, casting fireballs. It's got to burn some calories. Swing it on my sword, sword arm so yes. I know how many times I've swung a sword. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a I do, idea. I do fight sword and board at LARPs. I'm a sword and shield fighter. Nice. So Yeah, and carrying the, the, uh, the shield around, that yeah. would be like, that's heavy. Yeah. Even the video is made of foam. You get you get decent <laughs> biceps when you're mm-hmm. lugging a big wooden shield around all day. Man, our our D and D characters, they are they're in good shape. They have to be <laughs> high they metabolism. Have to be. They yeah. are I look good. at my inventory on Sasha, my my D four character. I look at her inventory and I'm just like, how? <laughs> there's there's no way there's yeah. no way I could carry all this stuff, but it's in the weight requirement, so I'm good. Yeah, I guess. Oh. I just I just assume I look like the woman from Labyrinth with all the junk the on, her back. on her back. Ah. Oh yes. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure that's how my, my PC looks. Very cool. Except it's all dice. It's, it's all, all dice. Different, different just nothing but dice. Dice and dice, dice, and dice accessories. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now I want to get a drawing of of, of you as <laughs> I, I know. I, I'm. I'm thinking. I may have to commission something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. You, of course, have so many. Uh, you know, things that you're doing within the D and D community. Uh, but how can people find out about all of them? Uh, what's What's the good place? Where do you want to point people towards? Uh, the best place to keep up with me is Twitter. At Goblin Katie, G O B L I N K A T I E. I'm actually Goblin Katie on pretty much all the socials. Um, so you can find me there. I, I most keep up with Twitter, though. Um, I have a link tree, which I believe is uh, L I N K. Well, it's link tree Goblin Katie. I can't remember what the actual That's okay. uh, thing is. We'll put um, it in so the notes. So you can for go sure. there. Yeah. On Sunday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can catch me on D4, which is a uh, fifth edition canon lore Dungeons and Dragons game. Um, we are currently set on the sea. We are on our way to uh, Nessequa uh, to collect some stuff. So uh, nice. we're going back to the home of one of the PCs who got kicked out of home. So it's going to be very interesting. Mm. But that's on twitch.tv slash D4RPG. And then uh, starting in January, because we're, we're on hiatus until January, Dawnbringers is uh, another show I appear on. And I play uh, Rolo, who is an Erd wizard. Rolo. And she is precious, and I love her to pieces. Hmm. Um, and that will be on Thursday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash domain. And I occasionally stream on my own Twitch channel. Um, it's very hit or miss. And uh, I will always announce when I'm going to be doing something on Twitter. So if you want to follow me on Twitch, you're welcome to. It is Goblin Katie. Big surprise. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just follow. And when you pop in, say hi, because I, I love chatting to folks in in the chat room. 
Sweet. That's awesome. Lots of things to check out. And, uh, you know, I can't say enough. You you do great stuff. Uh, You do. Thank you for all that. Everything you do. Thank you. Well, y'all do an amazing job of highlighting the community and the the game, and it's uh, it it was a, a true shock and honor to uh, receive the invitation to come talk to you guys. So, Aww. thank you so much well, for having me. Of you are welcome anytime. Anytime, and we need Woo-hoo. you as as LARP agent, uh, yes. or, or bard, whatever it ends up making it being. But uh, I, I yes. want to try. I want to whack the hell out of. Uh, some shields. Beat the hell out of some friends with plumbing supplies. It's a good time. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it that way. So it's like, yay. What did I say that for? Fun. That's PVC. I'll bring the, my, pl- my plunger. Joke. Yes. <laughs> oh. I, I would actually love to see somebody show <laughs> up to an event with a plunger. <laughs> that would be amazing. Could do some damage. Could do some damage. Yeah. Yeah. Like sticks to the shield there? Yeah. Like stick it yes. to somebody's plate mail? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yes. And then pull them down. See, it can work. It there can work. we go. Oh, my. It's yeah. a new battle You're method. welcome. <laughs> it's a Thank new you, battle Shelley. method. <laughs> I'm employing this. <laughs> Next said- time the big bad evil guy comes out of the field, I'm just going to run up with a toilet plunger. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> I love this. Oh Well, this has been awesome. Thank I'm you in. so much, Katie. This is great. Thank you both. Thank, Thank you. For you. Me. What an adorable person, Goblin Katie Aww. is. No goblin in my mind. She no. is a Goblin Katie. She is LARPer extraordinaire. And so charitable and kind and wonderful. Absolutely Thanks, so. Katie. Check out everything that she does in the TTRPG community and support her because it's, uh, it's good work. Do it. You have my command. (laughs) You shall do it. But I am excited to get into everything that's going on with Dungeons & Dragons. We've got some fun stuff happening. Go to D&D Beyond and pick up the latest adventure or create many, many, many characters that you will one day be able to use, hopefully, uh, in your games. Um, And I like to just use D&D Beyond for casual reading sometimes where I'm just like, "Mm, what's going on? in uh, this what's happening here and then you sometimes you get inspired mm-hmm. uh, perhaps reading the entry on tabaxi did something like that for me which we shall get to later on in this outro but shelly where yes. can people follow you, what you are doing and all the fun stuff and more importantly how to pre-order and or purchase welcome to dragon talk Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Shelly Moo or go to my website, ShellyMazanoble.com. Go to University of Iowa Press and you can pre-order a Welcome to Dragon Talk there. You can go to bookshop.org and you can order it from your local indie or you can buy it from an online retailer. Whatever you choose, just pre-order Welcome to Dragon Talk. You will love it. You will indeed love it. Uh, As someone who is listening to this podcast, you will see a lot and hear, listen listen, and or read a lot of things that you are aware of, but there's going to be some stuff in there that you don't know uh, as well. We, there's a lot of surprises in Welcome to Dragon Talk. And I think it's a great guide for folks getting into the community around this holidays. So I second everything you just said, Shelley. For me, I am at Greg Tito on Twitter for now and uh, Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Uh, Greg Tito on co-host, although I haven't really posted anything there yet and I'm looking at Mastodon, but it's very confusing. And mm-hmm. I don't know which server to join. It's kind of like Discord. Maybe we're just too old. Uh, 
to adopt anything new at this point. I'm not <laughs> sure about that, but we'll see. Um, but that's where we are on the socials. And of course, I want to get to what's happening with Drunky Two Shoes. Oh, I do too. In the Radiant Citadel, she has been asked to walk with one of the speakers um, the uh, in the Preserve of the Ancestors. Uh, this is carved out of the Radiant Crystal, the Aurora Diamond that is in the center of this Radiant Citadel itself, um, full of vegetation and wildlife. There's a lot going on here um, in this wide open space carved out of the heart of a crystal, which is shimmering and purple in color all around you. Um, and the speaker says, come walk with me after you offered her a bedroll. Well, <laughs> well, you never know what one tabaxi's trash might lead to somebody's treasure. You never know. So <laughs> you never know. It's true. Uh, so uh, Shola, uh, who was the um, speaker you were speaking to previously, uh, she, you know, kind of encourages you to walk with uh, this new speaker, uh, and she is a, um, I want to say, uh, hard to determine her age. Um, she's very graceful in her movements, um, that, uh, but also shows a bit of, um, you know, wrinkles around the eyes and things like that. But otherwise, uh, she is full of uh, energy, and she walks actually kind of fast. She's like, you know, kind of got that almost... New York pedestrian pace where she's like walking fast and expecting you to, to kind of keep up. Okay. Uh, well. Shola. Uh, where? And, this, and she says, I am not Shola. I am. Oh, I, I, uh, I forgot. You may refer to me as Primera. Primera. Uh, uh, where are we going? I wanted to um, take you on a short walk and to see the beauty uh, that is here within this preserve. Uh, and then she kind of glances behind her uh, at the speakers who are, you know, now like 50, 100 feet away uh, from you now. But in honesty, I just wanted to spare you from the peering eyes of my colleagues. I, I do appreciate that. I can see that you were uncomfortable with the situation and so many... Uh, attentive slash uh, unhappy speakers and uh, dawn incarnates can sometimes be overwhelming. Yeah, and I honestly was just sent here. I don't know like what rules I bypassed or anything, but I, I really just want to find my brother. And this is where your goals uh, align with ours. Interesting. For one of these civilizations... Uh, that was at the founding of this citadel is a tabaxi civilization. We don't know much more other than that. And that itself was only unearthed when your brother came to us and did some research of his own. When did he come to you? This is where I believe some of your confusion lies uh, because it has been several decades uh, is it a century? It must have been a century already. What? Since he was here. No, that's impossible. He's just a wee kitten. <laughs> well, he is uh, uh, still a wee kitten for his age. Uh, has not 
uh, changed here in the ethereal plane. Wait, what? Are you saying that he's older, he's like preserved in time? All of us are. Uh, for here on uh, this plane of existence, um, time does not continue. It is only and- when we travel to our worlds uh, that uh, we in fact age. Am I preserved in time right now? Well, you are uh, perhaps only in, in age. Your experiences you, that you encounter are still on a linear basis. I See, I understand. This is why I wanted to speak to you one-on-one, for it is a confusing concept for one who has spent all of their existence on the material plane. But he was my litter mate. We're the same age. I understand. I understand that. So that's why this connection, this strong connection that you have with him may be exactly what is needed. To? To find him and understand, um, perhaps even take up his his mission. Did you see him here recently? No. He has been gone from here for, as I said, many decades. Nearly a century. (laughs) Okay. How do we begin looking for him? Well... I believe you must go uh, to speak to the other tabaxi who are here on this citadel. Some have come from various places around the multiverse um, and have chosen to reside here. There are not many. There are only three. But I suggest speak to them and let them tell you what they know of their homeland. And uh, perhaps with that information, we can focus on uh, some type of magical means or an artifact or something that can bring you uh, and reunite you with your brother. I would love that. All right, then. Well, the first uh, tabaxi who I think you should visit uh, is named Timothy. (laughs) Timothy. Timothy. I got you. Okay. Yes. Uh, He is a... Uh, a worker in the house of convalescence, uh, a healer, very deft in his hands. Oh, great. Sounds wonderful. There you will find hopefully more information. I, I shall go see Timothy. Excellent. And please report back what you learned uh, to here to the council. Um, and we may be able to, with the information you, you gain, uh, formulate a plan or some magical means. Where I'm still trying to find out exactly how that can be. Uh, I hope... Yes, I, I hope that you remain, you know, my point of contact. Uh, all of us uh, speakers uh, are here uh, at the service of the citizens of this citadel. And for the time that you are here, we consider you a citizen. Because Thank of your you. wonderful gift of this bedroll. Yes, you'll love it. Actually, I don't have a place to sleep tonight, so I might need to borrow that back. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you can... She hands it back to you, as well as this one day of rations. Mm, Yeah, I am feeling a bit peckish. Thank you. Excellent. Go speak with Timothy, and he may be able to help you. Thank you. Off to see Timothy. She nods her head, and we close with that, without even a die roll. You weren't even suspicious of her at all. I was waiting for the the, uh, the insight roll. No, no. Drunky has taken a real shine to her. Excellent. Yes. All right. Well, we shall see where uh, and or what Timothy reveals.